so when I created a Twitter after, because I never was active, I put my pronouns are daddy and father. Yeah. And then like these legends started coming up, like D-Dang was like, yes, daddy. And I'm like, oh, this is something. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Fail with Fire. I am your podcast host, Phoenix Haw, CEO of AdBeacon, my favorite first-party data attribution and optimization platform, as you know. Today, I get to bring dad game vibes up in this, and I'm so pumped. And before I kind of get into it, welcome, Bart. Say hi. Thanks. Good to uh, good to be on. Yeah, I'm excited. We've been We've been interacting a lot on Twitter and it's good to finally just hang out with somebody instead of just tweeting back and forth. So yeah, really good to be here. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. Like, I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity on Twitter and it's like one of those, it's one of those, okay, there's like celebrities that everybody knows. And then there's like the internal celebrity and like, this is why. So, you know, I was on a flight to Dubai this last year, I believe it's been a blur and I'm like in a group text with Jordan Menard and Nick Shackelford because we were prepping for our founder course. And then turns out, you know, Jordan's like three seats behind me. And we were talking and I think I said something along the lines of my pronouns are daddy and father. And that was the first time I ever said it. And it, for some reason, we were all dying laughing. It just stuck. So when I created a Twitter after, because I never was active, I put my pronouns are daddy and father. Yeah. And then like these legends started coming up, like D Dang was like, yes, daddy. And I'm like, oh shit, this is something. This is something. Yeah. So I actually bought a dad gang hat, hoping you would arrive by today so I could wear it. But it's okay because I will be at a conference um, actually this coming week and I'll be wearing it. Hopefully it arrives in time. But um, dad gang hats are just the shit, man. So you've done an incredible <laughs> job. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, I gotta go. Yeah, I gotta go yell at Matt, who I tweet about all the time, and and ask for a three PL where that orders at, because I want you to get it for the conference at least. Yeah, I'll send you all the info. I want to be able to wear it, and I'm actually on a panel with Charlie Tickner, so CT the disruptor on Twitter. Yeah, I've just added some uh, somebody named Joffrey who I haven't yet met, but it's all about meta. It's all about you know BFCM prep, and we're excited. So I'll be wearing that dad gang hat once I get it. Well, let me give everybody the formal introduction to Bart. So Bart, how do you say your last name before I butcher it? Yeah, it's a tough one. It's uh, Shinevsky. Shinevsky. Are you Polish? I am. Yeah, I was born there. Okay. I have a very good friend. His last name is Skorzynski. So, oh, um, yeah. He's, he's a king. He's, a king. he's up there. <laughs> that's a tough he's one. Another daddy gang. <laughs> he also is a dad. So that's perfect. But uh, you've been in the D2C space for about 12 years, uh, landing the growth strategy of over 50 different brands. You know, previous roles include VP of marketing for Strideline Socks, head of growth for Mint Performance Marketing, and head of marketing at Haldi Skin. Currently work as the Dad Gang co founder, which is how I actually got to know you. And Dad Gang, for people who don't know, is an apparel brand founded by three dads making high quality hats and other goods for dads and Phoenix. Dash and Phoenix. Yep. <laughs> Most importantly. Most importantly. Also, just like the aesthetic, right? So the aesthetic, if you aren't watching the podcasts, you know, actually Bart listens to the podcast and I'm so grateful and blessed to have that. But if you are on the treadmill or you want to like see us talk, which I think is so much more interactive you know, tilted to the side on Spotify. I'm not sure about Apple Podcasts, but he's wearing the hat and it's got kind of like a cool vintage vibe to it. And the logo hit is just so strong and high quality that I'm so pumped that you're in the market now and you have this breadth of work behind you. But this is what I know about, right? I know about you right now. So kind of like walk me through how Dad Gang even came about. I would just love to hear a little bit about that yeah. before sales. Yeah, for sure. Like, and like you mentioned, I've been in the space for, for lots and lots of years. Well, 12 years. I don't know if that's considered a lot these days, but uh, around 12 years doing D2C for, for ver various companies. And before D2C was a buzzword and before it was like, I just think it's still selling on the internet is all, is all we're doing. Um, and, but yeah, I've been, I've been in the space for a long time, heading up like marketing departments. And so I've done a little bit of everything. Per se, like a 
Um, you could call me a, a generalist, like from email to SMS to paid ads to influencers to content, like kind of touched everything for various companies. And um, I always had a feeling that I wanted to start something of my own, just never knew what it was. Um, I've tried brands before. Uh, Grant was a co-founder with me on um, on Dad Gang. We tried a brand called Only Time Will Tell, which was O-T-W-T. And it was like a brand that is kind of a, a deeper meaning too. It's kind of like whatever you're going through in life or whatever goals you're chasing, only time will tell the outcome of whatever you're you're going after. Um, so I've tried a bunch of different brands and then we're all working for different companies and then we're texting all the time, Grant and I, and then EJ, who is the other co-founder, and we are talking about being dads, just standard conversations. Uh, today was crazy. This happened, that happened. I barely slept. Um, this happened at work and then I'm sore. My back hurts. <laughs> and all of these kind of pileups of things that go on throughout the day. I mean, days are hard um, in general. And then you throw on a child or two and then <laughs> it amplifies everything. But it is what we call the greatest responsibility in life is to bring in a new life and, and nurture it and, and being a father and a mother. But for us, you know, we're dads. And so at the end of every kind of like complaint, or breakdown of a day, you'd say, hey, dad gang, like, what, what are you going to do? You can't not do it, right? Or some people don't, but um, so it's like, hey, dad gang. And then after a while, it's just like, that rolls off the tongue so well. Um, and I'm looking around, there's nothing in the market. And what I'm seeing is a bunch of just like, Number one dad, new ballot shoes, lawn mowing, mustaches, tools. Norm core, norm core to the extreme. Yeah. 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 Standard dad humor stuff, which we find funny, but it's just so repetitive and so cheap in a sense too. Like moms get these beautiful bracelets and, and diamonds for, for Mother's Day and, and, and all these like high, great high quality products. And dads just get a mug or a t-shirt or something funny that they'll wear once on Father's Day and that's it. Um, and I've been in, in apparel for the most part when it comes to D2C. So I've, I've worked with a lot of brands, um, supplements, skincare, tech. But I always keep going back to apparel. I think that's where I find the most joy. And I knew a guy that made hats. I knew a guy that wore really high quality hats. I'm like, hey. I've never seen this hat anywhere on anybody, but you always seem to come around with like really high quality hats who makes them and, uh, people keep their manufacturers close, um, and don't really give them away. But I did get a good introduction to a few people sampled some hats. And then the manufacturer we went with, um, just made us a very simple dad gang hat, but I I'm describing this as if we're going into building a business at the time, it was just like, let's make a hundred hats. Let's, let's really see what happens. I, I posted up on Instagram, like, Hey, I made some hats just from my personal account, nothing from, from our organic page. And for the most part, it was just like friends and family buying. Um, so we sold a hundred hats in about, uh, I think we say like under 36 hours, um, hundred hats sold out and being realistic about it. I was like, whatever friends and family supporting is not a real business at, at the time or like friends and family supported, but let's make 300 from the profits of the yeah. first 100. Um, and let's see if this is a fluke or not. So we made 300 and those sold out in like a week and it's still looking into Shopify. You're like, oh, I know that person. Grant knows that person. EJ knows that guy. It's still familiar faces purchasing, um, but they still sold. So we made, I think we, then we made another 300 and I started boosting some of our organic posts on Instagram. Oh, oldest shout out the boosted post, man. <laughs> Seriously, it's, it's, I know it's the oldest and like sometimes the most clown strategy. It's like, yeah, boost through Instagram. That's going to do a lot for you. But all I did was boost for profile visits versus sales. I, I never boosted for sales because I was always like, let's just. Let's just build a community. We all have jobs. There's no rush to, uh, there's no rush to build this because we need income or anything like that. Um, let's just keep going. And 
we kept going and they kept selling. And then I would keep running those boosts when hats were sold out and our lead times like 33 days. So we have a good mix of like hype to restock and pissed off potential customers that are like, stop advertising when you, when you don't have anything. And then um, we hit that. We, when... we hit... Go ahead. No, yeah. And we hit the restock button and, um, and they'd sell again. So it was just kind of this like, post every day, tell dad stories, lean into like, we're not just a funny brand. Let's talk about the hardships of, of being a dad. Let's talk about how hard it is rather than like, I'm mowing the lawn and barbecuing today. Right. It's, it's just not that at all in reality. So, um, yeah, we took, we took a product market fit of like high quality products. They're not out there for dads. And then something you can wear daily and kind of be proud of. Um, and I think so those two just mesh together there well. Yeah, you guys have done a really beautiful job. I come from apparel as well. And it shows. It shows that you come from apparel. It, I, I get it, right? For somebody who has been there and, and looks at it from like a high level standpoint. And also too, it's, I found out about Dad Gang because my favorite dads on Indie to see wear it. And I was like, oh, that's kind yeah. of, you know, you've, you said some interesting things. And again, we'll move over to a couple more questions. But it's funny because you said, you know, women get some of the, or moms get some of the cool stuff. Like, I disagree. I'm, a, <laughs> you know, for me, I, I guess I'm not like the, I guess, girl next door or, you know, one day mom next door. So when I see dad gang, it has the cool factor. If you put mom gang on there, I'd probably go, please don't. But dad gang just yeah. hits right. The font just hits right. It's got a vintage nostalgic vibe to it. It's not starch white all the time. There's sometimes it's a faded, like... There, like, create. There is a science to this if you have good taste, and you guys yeah. have hit that taste in terms of colorways and being able to get that skew turnover there. So, congratulations! But I actually wanted to ease us into our next little kind of section, which I feel like is kind of a fail with fire staple. Is if we were at a barbecue, and your <laughs> wife, your mom, somebody in your family who's like ten degrees separated from what you do for work, which you just showed us the breath of that, right? How would they describe you? What would they say about you? Who would they say you are and what you do for work? Yeah, I'm not sure if my mom still knows what I do for work. Um, we're very Polish. Like I was born there, lived there till seven, uh, moved over here. And, and so like the internet and social media and all that stuff is still like fairly new to grasp for my parents. So if you ask my mom, she would probably say I like build companies through the internet. That that would be her answer. If you ask my wife, she'd say, you know, he he uh, helps build companies and has his own company. Like really, really simple answers. Um, but I even before I started Dad Gang, and was like director of marketing for various brands. Um, I'd have to explain it to my parents on on a regular basis. So I think they get it now. Um, I use social media and the internet to help build companies, but. Yeah, so I, I think those are kind of be their answers. It's kind of actually pretty on point. And I, we ask this question because often the people we meet in the D2C space, they care about what you do first before who you are, because that's how they're going to decide whether they align with you, right? That's And that's right. natural. It's nothing wrong with that. But we want to take the veil away a little bit and go back to the roots of who people are. And the people who love you the most, the people who know you the most are the ones who really don't give a shit about what you do. Yeah. And, about who you are and um that kind of leads us to fail with fire and the whole premise behind this specific podcast is i want to take legends in the space people that are just killing it and then strip everything back and we talk about our failures because often those failures are catalysts to incredible moments in our life and catalysts to the fire that is why we are where we are today if not where we're going to be one day so you know yeah. Bar I would love, I would love to find out what you identify as a failure and kind of walk me through that story and let's just get nitty and gritty and, and talk about failures. Yeah, for sure. I, you know, I'm, I was 35. So the older you get, the more of them you have. I, I think like I've, I've embraced failing and, and learning so much more like in my thirties than I did what, you know, in, throughout my twenties, it was just kind of like, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. What am I going to do next? Whereas like, I, I think there are 
it's uh, kind of a corny thing that's that's said over and over again on Twitter, but there's lessons in 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 every uh, in every failure. And yeah, my my biggest one was like somewhat recent. I, I seem to get laid off every time I buy a home, so that's that's been really cool. Um, wow, sick! Love that for you. Yeah. Maybe. So I, I I was or I don't say laid off. I tend to lose a job every time I, I buy a home. Um, cause it's been two different situations, but like our first starter home, really tiny house where we were trying to figure things out, uh, was in like 2018 and I was leaving Strideline on like a really, really good note because the agency that was working with Strideline wanted me to come on board and help grow their brands. So it was, I love those guys. There's absolutely nothing wrong there, but I left, oh, this is 2019, sorry. And I left to join this agency and still like kind of helping Strideline, still kind of getting paid by them and then join this new agency and then COVID happens and all the clients that the agency had had fulfillment issues, manufacturing issues, world shut down. So uh, agency goes first, we're not paying you anymore. And so in turn, I get let go because of, of, the agency just can't exist. Their clients don't exist. Um, and so, yeah, buy a house. And then Strideline also has issues because their manufacturing goes down. And so agency has to let me go. And then Strideline can't can't keep me around anymore. So it's like, all right, uh, just learn what a mortgage is and get let go. And so I'm like, shit, this is, this is really bad. And I... Um, in turn, I was like, well, I've done this for 10 years. Can I just go like to my network and see where I can help instead of applying on LinkedIn, waiting months and months for a response that probably says you're not a good fit. And then, you know, just doing that over and over again. So I went kind of into myself and thought, what have I done for all these companies throughout the years? And can I offer a service or a help that can get paid for to sustain this time of, um, to sustain this time of, of COVID and, and everything that happened. And so I kind of dove into that and, and found some clients and just started my own, like Shinevsky.com. It was as fast as possible. I was like, let's take my last name. That domain's available. Nobody had that. And let's just, uh, let's just run a consulting business. And so I did that and everything was good there. And then I went from doing that to having a child on the way. And it was like, okay new house laid off start your own business child on the way this is scary again and so i um, i started working for an agency in la and and now it's totally fine i that's where i kind of like growth of over 50 plus brands i was um i was the head of growth or client director kind of shifted titles a few times but um for over 30 different brands in a year and a half um, which is I have some other things to say about that, but that's just way too much for one person to handle. Um, and so it says agency burnout in my, <laughs> in my bio. And so I had to go, it was just way too much and learned a ton from that. I, I don't mean to like shit on any of that experience. It's just like, I took a lot of learnings from that being overworked and being thrown into every single client and overseeing the portfolio of, of 30 different brands, but shit I had on to go. Shit on it. Shit <laughs> on it hard. Because it, it yeah, yeah. talked about, so I'm glad you're saying, we'll, we'll get into it, but of course shit on it. It's the failed yeah, cyberpunk. Yeah. Why not? No, my, my thing is I, I don't like, even in, in my worst of times, I, I still believe that there's a learning, even if it was against me. Um, because being at an agency, I, I saw what like, scale and pleasing other people does to like the mentality of a team. Um, and so you are, you're kind of somebody's bitch <laughs> as an agency for, for a bit of the time where, um, you're hopping on every call and hoping to give them great news. And if you don't have great news, you're scrambling before that call to spin it up the right way, like a news network almost. And. Um, and so that's super stressful to do for 30 clients over a year and a half and deal with so many different personalities that are like 
I still think the majority of people that sign up with an agency think we got an agency, we're going to win. That's kind of like this weird mentality that everybody has. Whereas I think if you, if you grab an agency to help you grow, that's all they're doing. They're just helping you figure out your business. They're not a guarantee that you'll win, that you'll be profitable, that you'll get rich. Like, and so you're dealing with all these people that are like, why, why is our row as this? Why is this and that? Why is this ad live? Why does this color on here look like this? And so through all of that chaos, and I was on calls with like clients overseas, clients in the US, um, it's like my personal time didn't matter. Hop on, they're a client. And through all of this, I was like, if I ever start a brand, one, I'm not hiring an agency, no offense to any agency owners, but I'm not because I know the pressure I'm putting on myself and them. Um, I'm going to try to learn everything myself. And if I can't figure it out at a certain number, then I'll hire somebody to help me. But like really get to that point instead of, oh, I saw so-and-so tweet about this agency being amazing. So if we get them, we're going to, we're going to do great. Just not the case. Um, so I learned what not to do. I learned that the word scale is like just this toxic word within our, within our environment. In my opinion, it is like, I believe that businesses should be grown to live a comfortable and happy life rather than thinking you're like going to hit this North star and compare yourself to the billion dollar companies. It just doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, I just stayed away from a lot, a lot of things that these clients would like yearn for at all times. Um, and I can keep going. That's not the end of the whole failure story. Um, I, um, yeah, post agency, I left and got another job, uh, where I was the director of marketing at Haldi skincare, a VC backed company, um, out of San Francisco. Super awesome. Uh, two female co-founders that were just badass, like really loved working for them, but I worked for them for two months and everything was awesome. Perfect. You're killing it. We're growing month over month. All these numbers that people pay attention to that, that get them going in the morning. And then I get a, I, on the day that I'm closing on my second home, sold the first one, uh, another child on the way, here we go again. Uh, child number two, I'm closing on this house, going in to close on it, to sign with an underwriter. And I get a random Tuesday meeting from the owner of Aldi. Um, they're like, Hey, our VCs are pulling funds, this and that. Something's going on with, with funding. Uh, we unfortunately have to let you go. Keep in mind that like Friday. You're doing great. We're killing it. We're excited about XYZ Tuesday, the day I'm signing a contract to go into this new house. I am told that, Hey, we got to let you go. So instant panic, right? Like immediately second child on the way, new house, no job, no income. What are we going to do? And, um, I'm sitting in the underwriting office and they like literally ask you to the best of your knowledge, are you currently employed? And technically I was because you had two weeks to go, but who's going to say no, literally who, who is going to be like, nah, no, I'm not. No, yeah, I actually just got fired today. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, I say, yeah. Um, cause I, I did, I was still technically employed and, um, and then I just, I tweeted about this and not that everybody sees my tweets or anything, but I just, what I call went into like complete demon mode and was like, I've been here before. I know that I can just go hard for like a week straight, two weeks straight. I can apply. I can reach out. I can talk to my network. I can go back to former personal clients that I've worked with before, not at an agency and see if they need help. And then I just went so hard for a week straight. And in one week I got three full-time job offers and, um, and a ton of like consulting gigs. So it was like the second time around the, the stakes were higher, but my mentality was like, you've done this before. And I texted my parents and they were like, oh, you got it. You know, yeah. and, and my, my parents are like, you know, immigrants that, 
that no work and and I, I would expect them to panic like shit on the way house. I know I keep repeating it, but I just want to like people to paint that picture in their heads of how stressful that is. And I text my family. I'm like, hey, this happened. No job. And they're like, oh, you got it. And so hearing that from them, hearing that from my wife, she was like, oh, no worries at all. Like, whatever, you'll figure it out. Like, geez, you're the pregnant one. <laughs> you're the one holding the child and you're not worried. So I was like, don't be a, don't be a little bitch. Like, it's just, you got this, all these other people believe that you have this. All your friends believe that you have this. So why would you doubt yourself in this moment? And so I got those job offers, took a job um, and everything was good. But at the same time, while I was at Haldi, dad gang was starting to like bubble up a little bit. Um, but I still didn't. I still didn't go, okay, well, if I just grow dad gang, we'll be fine. I still never put any like scale or like unnecessary stress into dad gang. It's like, this is community driven. It's driven by dads. It's not about me. I need to grow this thing truly organically. Not, not in the way people say like, oh, this brand grew up or blew up organically. No, no ads or nothing. I was like, don't put any pressure on dad gang because you're feeling pressure in your own life. Just let that thing keep growing. And so dad gang grew while I was at this other job. And like the CEOs of this other job were seeing it. They're probably like, what the hell is going up? <laughs> you know? And so at the end of May of this year, I was able to leave that job and, and go into dad gang full time along with the co-founders. Like we, we just all do dad gang now. And so I treat my career and anything I'm doing as like, it can be ripped away tomorrow. Yeah. I, I, I know I talk about that gang in a way of like, I can't believe we're having these months and I can't believe we're doing this and we've grown this much, but I also act as if it's going to leave tomorrow because I've, it's, maybe it's some like trauma a little bit from things have been ripped away from me suddenly. So I am Grateful, blessed, thankful, but I still operate with a little bit of paranoia that this can all be done for. Um, so yeah, I operate. It can be done for, but I could probably deal with it this time. Um, so concept too. It's a concept of like <laughs> nobody owes you anything. And it's a concept of that, yeah. like, you know, I'm I'm listening to everything that you're saying and I'm trying to gather it all because there were a lot of different stories that intertwined to one main theme, right? Which is it's all going to work itself out. Yeah. It, it, you're going to panic. Don't lose the panic because the panic is actually what drives you to great things. Um, right. Also, it's all going to work itself out. Like you said, you're, you told your parents, your parents are like, no, you got this. And I do the same thing with my mom. And I expect because, you know, when we were kids, I'm also a child of an immigrant. Yeah. Mom would just put this panic in me when I was a kid all the time. And now as an adult, she's like, no, you got this. And I'm like, no, no, no. You, you told me that there was a panic. Like the world is ending every day. She goes, no, no, no. no. I, I did that so that you wouldn't be lazy, but you will. Yeah. Out and it will. all, And that's a beautiful level of wisdom. There is also this concept that you were speaking about with agency burnout and I've spoken about this too. I'm so glad you touched on it. And I say shit on the concept of an agency, shit on whatever you want to. And that could also be your your hot take. But everything yeah. you do, you have to come in with humility and also understand like not every agency is the same. Right. Agencies are really powerful. They're, they're people who have been doing this craft for some time that help you get to the end goal. But often people will look at agencies like they're doctors. And even, right. and I don't know, like I'm, I'm about to turn 30 and I used to think if you go to the doctor, the doctor will figure out what's wrong with you and you'll be fixed and you'll be fine forever. And right. we forget that doctors are people. <laughs> yeah. And people are inherently flawed. So it, it's, it's this weird flipped concept of you go get a service, the service of bills, you leave. It's the Amazon mentality. You buy something, you get it. Okay, you can turn it. Um, yeah. You know, but that's the exchange is not the same when it comes to a service that puts out high return. And um, I think we all honestly forget that. And then the bitch versus partner concept that you talked to me about, I wrote bitch versus partner. And what you said is <laughs> work at an agency and you become someone's bitch. Yeah. 
Oh God, it's so true. Like I haven't had a Thanksgiving in three years because I was just scaling Black Friday, Cyber Monday. My family knows, you know, my poor Beyonce's family knows I will have a laptop at the table and you have to make the choices in the phase in your life. Like I believe that you're in your building phase. So you build and right now you're in the phase of you're deciding, no, I'm not going to try to become the next billion dollar company. I'm going to enjoy this community based company. I'm going to quote unquote scale it the way that it needs to be based off my expertise and do it in a way where I'm not constantly anxious about whether or not we're going to be the next biggest thing rather than can we provide great products and i i want to go back to bitch versus partner please do okay so as an agency we're often treated as these like service customer service representatives right and we forget that these people are very data-centric people or very creative people and seldom do we find somebody that is able to merge both and then you're expecting them to have a third role of customer service extraordinaire, right? You've got a, someone who does reports, scaling, somebody who does creative, and then customer service three in one, the holy trinity. Here you go for maybe $2,000 a month. And <laughs> I'm like, I'm sitting here and going, this is absolutely ridiculous. And then you time yeah. 38 counts. And you're like, the bandwidth is a joke. And I like to deduce it down to time spent. So I do it for Ad Beacon, right? If I have one customer service rep who's technically an account manager, um, if one agency has 100 accounts, like I'm looking going, how many minutes in a day can you spend on each account? And then I quickly realized it was a joke. So yeah. one of think should, you know, in, in terms of longevity in the space, I firmly believe that you have to have a partner mentality versus the bitch mentality. Uh, if you don't like the word bitch, let's call it employee mentality versus business owner mentality. Right. So if I'm going to you, Bart, and I'm going, hey, I want to be your media buyer only because you don't have the bandwidth. I want to be able to challenge you as a partner. I need to be able to have access to your P&L and understand your profit margins. And at the end of the day, I don't want to talk about channel growth. I want to talk about store growth. It's a yeah. very different conversation. You know, it- it always starts with that too. It oh. just, it, but it just falls apart into something else. Like, so client alignment, when like you're signing a new client and, um, and doing discovery calls and doing kickoff calls and doing your first performance review call, like all these things, you're setting that precedent. And I think it's super important in like an agency structure to set the precedent of we're partners. Don't call anybody family unless they're family your partners and that's it. But once you underperform or overperform, you set the bar, whether you like it or not. And human nature says, oh shit, we did two mil last month. Why aren't we doing 2.1 this month? You know, some, some high rev company or something, but like, so like people set the precedent often, but then the, I think the clients and the agency after a a few meetings kind of forget it. Um, And then you don't want to be the asshole that's like, hey, guys, remember, we're partners. Remember, (laughs) because these numbers aren't real. Remember, we're in COVID. That was like actually the biggest thing that happened during COVID. I don't think many people realize is the numbers in D2C were just hyperinflated. So yeah. the next year and we did a year over year report everyone's like our numbers are so down i'm like these numbers aren't real like for the most majority of agencies and i would say consultants we had to like team the client because the client got a taste of the good stuff and yeah potentially the bahamas around the corner but in reality or no like yeah explain explaining the ios 14 stuff alone was that was a that was like a year long process and then people still didn't get it. So iOS 14, that's, I've never heard of it. <laughs> no, I, no, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the part that sucks is that like the whole, do- like you said, like you go to the doctor to help figure out your health and you're hoping for a solution. But at the same time, I think like we forget to, when we're in these like agency DVC bubbles, we forget to like factor in real life too. Um, economy is kind of in the shitter in general right now. Um, people are saving their dollars for things they don't need. 
I think 60% of Americans or more live paycheck to paycheck at the moment. Like these are real statistics and I'm, I'm not just making up a number. Um, uh, like 70% of Americans or something don't even have a thousand dollars to their name. Like these are things that we have to factor in. And then there's please factor $3 trillion in student debt. I just, we just, yeah. Yes, Statista, $1.3 trillion in student debt, which, by the way, just went live this month to pay back. I would know because I got my ba- my master's and I have to pay it back. I actually Thanks. teach really funny. So all and I teach at the same university that I graduated from. So it's kind of like a stick it to the man because all my paychecks go directly back to them. Just to, <laughs> like this is poetic. But yeah, it's like one, and then one trillion um, dollars in debt is like the highest it's ever been. Credit card debt specifically. Yeah. You're 100% right. Like things are not normal and people are holding on to their dollars. And what I also noticed too, and this will age this episode, technically you're not supposed to say this, but I will anyway, is Labor Day happened a few weeks ago. And I always look at Labor Day for Black Friday, Cyber Monday and peak as kind of a gauge as to what's going to happen. And I'm seeing deep, deep, deep discounting. So I'm seeing doorbuster deals being brought out Labor Day. So what does that tell an yeah. advertiser? That tells me, shit, this is going to be a really rough Black Friday, Cyber Monday. People are going to really cut into their margins hard. Yeah. Like Eviator Nation went 40 to 50% off. Like that never happens. So I don't know. There's a lot of things that are coming up. And to your point, it's just a realistic understanding. And we had this partnership thing. I really do mean partnership. And some people just say partnership. And what does that mean? That means that if you fail, we fail. And if yeah. I'm gone, like that's the conversation. But yeah. I want to kind of go into hot takes because you seem like you got a little spice in you, which I'm here for. Seems like you <laughs> have already kind of dropped some hints, but let's get even more spicy. So I want to know what hot take you have, Bart, in the D2C space, in the world, in life. Do you want to get political? Yeah. Warn me. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't want to get political. Um, and I am kind of spicy because, yeah, our daughter slept like four hours, so I'm, I'm truly I'm living this dad life today. Um, no, I, I, when I say like, I want to say like, stop scaling, and and not in a in a means of like you're super profitable and spend more on ads. Like, of course, that's a smart thing to do. But I think people like really don't think about whether somebody wants your product. And, and it's kind of like jumping into starting a business with this like scale mentality instantly, instead of figuring out human nature and like how it deals with your product and all these things. Like I tweeted the other day, I don't think we need any more skincare brands. Like I agree with you. Oh my gosh. And Penny, stop scaling your brands. You, you actually said something that I think everybody should like be listening to. You should be literally on a stage, say one sentence and walk away, which is a lot about human psychology. Yeah. No one's going to, unless your product is a necessity, like toilet paper and things that you can get down in the grocery store anyway, people aren't going to buy it constantly. And is it ethically right for you to push them to continuously buying your product because you want that. So you're going to pay more money in order for them to have to do that. When in reality, they didn't organically do that, right? Your your goal should yeah. be to them into the funnel where they organically come back because they love the brand and have brand equity and loyalty. But we forgot about that. Now we're just like conversion, 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 cash, cash, cash scale. And if I'm not scaling, I'm going to look at everybody in D2C. I'm going to look at everybody on Twitter and go, I'm not yeah. doing it. I don't have a screenshot this week to share. No, I, I think the ultimate like happiness in, in, in people is when you have the freedom of time. And are you building your company to like attain that? Or are you building your company to make $100,000 in a month and spend 90K on ads? And that's like, check out this revenue screenshot or, you know, we're growing. And, and it's like, yeah, but. Are you happy as a person? Like, why did you start this business? Did you start it to go be stressed out every month because the mortgage or the rent is 2K and then platform fees are this and you're really sitting on like $500 in profit. So I I think that whole like, I get tweeted all the time. Why aren't you scaling? Why aren't you aggressively scaling? What's your scaling strategy? And I'm like, well, there's a new dad every day in America 
And if they catch an ad of ours and love our hat and wear it, that's awesome. They make content around it. That's awesome. What's their story? Like, how can they be put a part of our community? I don't take any of our customers and like put a ton of metrics behind them and the LTVs and all these things that like would be in an equation to try and get to aggressive scale. I think this like, is my life good? Are my partners good? And is the brand like meaningful and growing in the right way is how I approach it. Whereas I feel like a lot of operators are like, I got to hit X, Y, Z. And if I don't, I'm stressed and then I'm going to invent some new stress behind that too. Okay. So my hot take is a little bit on yours. And I think you still do need to understand that LTV. I think you still need to aggressively look at those reports, but how you approach those reports, I think should be different. I think we're very aligned in ways. Um, I do believe like your happiness should be number one. Like you're a dad. So your perspective is so different. You have a family, you have things right. that mean so much more than something as mundane as money, which comes and goes so easily. Yeah. Something can just leave as quickly. Like shout out to my mom. I'm so sorry. She's going to hate me for saying this, but she like lost a lot of money one night from a scam, a crypto scam. And we yeah. had to sit down and talk and we're like, it's just money. Do you have a roof over your head? Yeah, I do. But I'm like, no, no. Do you have a roof over your head? Do you have your daughter? I'm her only child. Yes. Yeah. Do you, is, are your parents alive? Yes. Okay. Well, you're already head of the gang for a lot of people. So I'm sorry because I think the gardeners are coming out. But um, I think to because that's real. My hot take is LTV is very important. And I'm saying this obviously because of Ad Beacon, but also because I truly believe it. You want to see these reports to be able to understand the behavior, but you don't want to manipulate the reports in order to be what you want to see. And yeah. what we'll do, and agencies will do this, is they'll look at the reports, manipulate the data to see something else that really isn't there rather than really listening to the consumer. If you, Bart, went on TikTok and the dad gang hats went psycho viral, right? Someone just put it on. Everyone's like, I need that hat. I like that. You wouldn't be upset about that growth. You would have to find. No, no. Right. You would find ways to fulfill. However, you're going to have to make the decision of inventory, all these things. Is this just a burst now? Are we going to continue it? Are we going to open up the product line? How aggressively are we going to open up the product line? Do we need funding? You're going to have to face those questions. But right. you've been there before because you've been at the at a company that has VCs and you've been able to see it. You'll know what to do with the ethos and the backbone of I just want to enjoy my life and be happy. So that's a beautiful. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, for me, it's like eliminate unnecessary stress and don't invent it either. Because like, yes, I look at those numbers. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know. I just don't let it dictate how I feel. You know, um, Dude, I need your and, vibe. I need, I need that. Like everything will be fine. <laughs> and this I also, like, yeah, you're also talking to 35 year old me. I think like twenties, I was like, grind your face off until you, you know, until you pass out. And, but now it's like, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to like 12 years of work and, and, and getting to this point is awesome. But like that game wasn't an overnight thing. It was just like me learning a bunch of lessons and Grant and EJ learning a bu- bunch of lessons too. And then like finally being like, okay, we don't need all of this random chaos. Um, and let's just build a brand that doesn't require any stress for now, at least I know growth, like some obstacles show up and, and they have, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I, I really like run really lean on unnecessary things. I admire that. I admire that a lot. Actually, my my co-founder is it runs very lean as well. Um, so I will say, like a huge triumph of his is he he's the CEO and founder of a of an agency here in Los Angeles. And during COVID, and during you were saying that you had to lay off because of what had happened, he didn't fire anybody. He was able to maintain and and figure it out. And the reason why is because he was so lean and he didn't yeah. want. to well, you know, and we also live in a day and age where everybody wants to raise and rightfully so, like the cost of living is skyrocketing. There's all these other factors, right? And right. as a business owner, you have to make the decision of like what to do next in terms of retaining talent, but also retaining the company. And um, he was able to do that. And I, I think I used to be a, a critic of that type of mentality. And now I sit there and go, yeah. oh, it's survival and it's what needs to be done in order for the greater good. And 
I have a lot of respect for your mindset and I'm honored to know you now. Uh, so I'm really grateful that you were able to join us. And I kind of just want to end it all with if somebody coming out of college and you've heard us say this in other episodes were to come out of college, you know, you're saying you have 12 years of, of growth and maturity and wisdom. What would you say to them in their face coming out and, and potentially wanting to go in the D2C space? Yeah, go work for free. Um, I, I know it's not a capability of everybody, um, but go work somewhere for really low wages because that's all you're going to get um, and learn everything. Like I, my first job was uh, for a streetwear company because I've always just been super into just streetwear fashion. I paid $300 a month, but I was there every single day driving from Auburn to Seattle, which is like an hour drive. Uh, $300 a month. So this is like 2013, um, 2012. Yeah. And, um, although I was pissed because that's like no money at all, I just made sure to dive in and learn everything. Like if you want to be a media buyer, go, go learn everything about media buying, but try to pick up like what ops is doing, what, what, um, what the owner of the company is doing, what design is doing, like just be a fly on the wall around everything because marketing is not just like this one silo position. You have to like know how the business runs from a 360 approach to really be good at it. And, um, so yeah, just like dive in and ask people if you can just help them, um, because you'll learn so much more than, I don't know, go getting like a, just a cubicle office corporate job. My, my, the job after that job was like smallest salary ever. So it's, I just kept grinding through these, like really try and learn it all positions. And then companies that are, that are kind of at the beginning stage also helps. Um, if, if you can do that. That was beautifully put. And also too, it's like when you're in that position, stop asking the how like definitely learn how they're doing what they're doing in all different facets because you even said like you kind of tapped into all these different channels you understand you're a generalist um and that's actually the most i would say the highest form of currency right now is somebody who knows everything enough to be dangerous in the space and has the know-how of diving in and, and being really great tactically in there but the number one thing I always say is ask the why. Why are we doing this? Why is it done this way? Why do people care about this more rather than the how? And I know that sounds like very generic, but it's it's very true. And common sense. Yeah. Right? No, tr- no, couldn't agree more. Be a two and a half year old. My my daughter asks why about everything right now. Um, so yeah, that's my advice. Be a two and a half year old. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no it, it, it's so true. Um yeah, you really just got to go, go explore. Like I no no means a media buyer whatsoever. I would never put that anywhere, but I run our ads. I just kind of through what I've, through what I've learned and known. And sometimes I'll ping somebody and be like, Hey, how do I do this? And they'll tell me, and then I'm off to the races. Like I know a little bit enough about media buying to run our ads and, and be good. Um, but all the influencer email, SMS, all that other stuff, like I'm more well-versed in, I guess, but yeah, I've just learned enough throughout the years to be able to do it. Uh, maybe somebody, someday I'll hire somebody to, to do it. <laughs> Let it be known that Bart is a media buyer. And, uh, <laughs> but no, um, yeah, I'm, I'm your next influencer. I'm going to, I'm going to convince. Oh my God. I can't wait. My dad gang. And, uh, in, in the purest form, by the way, but when is this conference? This conference is on Monday and Tuesday. Okay. If, if that order is not in route, I'm just overnighting one of these hats on the bookshelf here. I'm here for it. I'm all for it. And then I'll let them know you did that because that's called dedication, friends. That's called, uh, called being. Uh, it's, actually, it's actually called dedication. Dad- I apologize. That is called dedication. <laughs> I have been corrected and rightfully so. Well, where... <laughs> We find you, Bart, on socials. How can people get to yeah. contact you? Yeah, I tweet a lot, probably too much. Um, it's just at the chef, C H E S Z E F, kind of like play on my complicated last name. Um, same on Instagram, 
and just follow dad gang. Don't follow me, follow dad gang. You'll see everything I'm doing through there. I, that's the other thing is like, if you're going to build brands that build community, don't tie them to yourself because that's just one person, not, not a group of people. So the chef on, on Twitter is probably like the best and then everything dad gang related. The chef. And also like, I think Bart does a very good job of creating ads that hit the feels that are very simple. But I, I always like to say that the best ads are the ones that create silence in the noise, right? Yeah. You do a really good job of that. I'm not sure if you're the ones creating or you're the one creating it. I'm yeah. Just, yes. It's, okay. You do a really great job of that. So you are a media buyer. I think that is what a media buyer is today. Media buyer is not a data analyst. A media buyer is somebody who can think outside the box and then tactically execute um, from all angles with data. So congratulations. Yeah, I'm in Canva. Canva all day. I mean, I, I, I hope that's not a... Com- yeah. Okay. Uh, not, a design- not a designer by any means either. Like, I, I'm not these things. And- Martin is a designer and a media buyer. <laughs> I'm just going to put a label on everything. Well, I'm changing my LinkedIn right now. LinkedIn is Canva expert. I like to call myself a, uh, what was it called? Because everyone comes up to me at shows and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, I'm a janitor. I just clean shit up. I'm a sanitation yeah. expert, sanitation artist. Um, yeah. That being said, on a sanitation front, thank you so much for being on the Fail with Fire podcast. I know a lot of people yeah. have some really great insights from this. And I appreciate you being so honest and let dad gang rule the world. I'm excited for you guys. No, thank you. It was a great conversation. And anybody listening, like, like and subscribe everything Phoenix is doing because it, it's it's amazing. Um, and yeah, like like I said earlier, I think before we chatted, like you, this podcast does a great job of tying in the person to how they work, not just like metrics and tactics. I think that's super important to know because every business is different, and so is every person. So how we like how we operate our businesses is kind of who we are too. Um, so you do a great job of that. Well, thank you so much. And, uh, for this to launch, um, have a great rest of your day guys. And we'll talk soon.